0: And he will be called Everlasting Father, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Welcome to today's Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. You're invited to join us for a candlelight Christmas Eve service if you don't already have a church home. There are three services to choose from, 2, 3.30, and 5 p.m. Our online service will be at 3.30 on our website or YouTube channel. Today, we're continuing our series, The Names of Christmas. This week, we'll explore the title, Everlasting Father. Here's Pastor Perry Duggar.
1: Well, good morning, Brookwood. Now, you probably saw that you got your email yesterday from Perry, uh, and Perry preached the first message, but he has lost his voice, so you are stuck with me. And, uh, yep, and if I say something that you like, then it's something I am saying, and if it's something you don't like, it was from Perry's script. That's, that's how we're going to do that this morning, okay? So let's start with a prayer. Father God, we thank you that you are our everlasting Father. And we do pray for uh, Perry's voice, that you would return it to full strength, and we pray that above that, we would hear your voice in full strength this morning, We give you praise that you are a God who is in charge of all things, and we worship you in the name of Christ. Amen. We are going to continue our series called The Names of Christmas, and we've been looking at uh, the descriptions of Jesus Christ, the names he's given by Isaiah in his prophecy in Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. Now, each week, Perry has given you a little glimpse into gift givers, right? We're familiar with Santa Claus, and we have Santa Claus here in the United States, and that character of the gift giver has different names throughout the world, and Perry has given you a glimpse at a different one each week. So this week, uh, I'm going to talk about England, and England, the gift giver is known as Father Christmas, And some of you are familiar with that from the Narnia books, right? From the Narnia books, we see Father Christmas show up in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Now, Father Christmas in England is derived from combining two characters that existed before Father Christmas. So it's a combination of King Frost, and King Frost uh, came from the Germanic Saxon tribes in the 5th and 6th century. So King Frost combined with the Viking god Odin. And some of you know Odin only from the Avenger movies. But he was uh, a Viking god and he had a big white beard, right? That's where the white beard comes from. And uh, he was known to give gifts to those who were deserving. So they combine those two and that becomes Father Christmas. This is a picture of him. I think it's very accurate, except for I'm pretty sure San is a dog person. Gene? Gene? I'm in trouble now. It's not starting good. So there's all these gift-givers. Through every country around the world there's gift-givers, but the greatest gift-giver is our everlasting Father in the gift of Jesus Christ. The greatest gift ever received at Christmas is Jesus. And he is our savior and our messiah the Mashiach Nagida. And he gives us the greatest gift of all. And the gifts that he gives us at Christmas and throughout our entire lives are revealed in this passage from Isaiah. The names he is given shows how he identifies with us and how he gives to us. The prophecy of Isaiah was spoken to King uh, Azah. Is that how you say that? How do you say that? See, I only had a few minutes to prepare. I don't know. Here's a little tip. If you're reading the Bible out loud and you don't know how to pronounce something, you just say something with confidence. And everyone in the room will go, oh, that's how you say that. So the prophecy of Isaiah to this king of Judah, was 735 BC. So that's more than 700 years before Jesus was born. And it revealed the names of the coming Messiah from the line of David. Let's read it. It's on page 555 in your Brookwood Bible. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us. A son is given And the government will rest upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David from now until all eternity. And then the prophet Nathan to King David over 200 centuries before that and Nathan said to David, your house David and your kingdom will continue before me, meaning God for all time and your throne will be secure forever and we know that the one who sits upon that throne is Jesus Christ but that future king would not reestablish an earthly government. Instead, through Israel, through the line of David, through his promises to Israel, he would establish the kingdom of God here on earth. And that begins with us, but will continue more fully in the future. And each of the Messiah King's names, or, or titles that we just read, reveals the way that he relates to his children. And this morning we're going to focus on everlasting father, everlasting father. And that can be a little bit confusing, can't it? Because we think of the father and the son, and Jesus is the son, right? So how is Jesus our everlasting father? Well, Jesus said that the father and the son are one, right? Jesus said, I am in the father and the father is in me. So in that, as there is only one God, Jesus is also our everlasting father, And the Hebrew phrase translated everlasting father in the NLT Bible is probably more closely translated as father of eternity. The father of eternity. Jesus is the father forever. His fatherhood is without end. So what difference does Jesus make in our lives as our everlasting father? As the father of eternity. Well, for one thing, it's personal, and it's intimate. He's not a distant God. He is a wonderful counselor. He is a mighty God, but he wants a personal relationship with us, with you as our everlasting father. So the first thing in your outline, our everlasting father protects from harm. Our everlasting father protects from harm. Every father is expected to protect his family. And when we don't have that in our lives, it reflects in how protected we feel. Some of you have heard my Celebrate Recovery testimony or my testimony at the Men's Connecting Point, and you know that I grappled for years until God delivered me with crippling anxiety and depression. And I would lay awake at night until I was in my 20s. This is true. Until I was in my 20s and someone told me, I didn't know that people slept through the night. Because I would constantly wake up, constantly wake up, constantly wake up thinking someone might need me. What if I need to protect someone? What if I need to protect myself? And that anxiety came from not understanding the protection of the everlasting father. And it was probably rooted in the fact that my biological father wasn't there. I have a dad that I love, a man that raised me, but my biological father, I haven't seen him since I was 16. I don't know if he's alive. If he's watching, give me a call. (laughs) Sincerely. Sincerely. But when we don't experience protection from our fathers here, we start to not trust the protection of the father in heaven. We see how God protected his son, Jesus, and his earthly father in the Christmas story, don't we? But he does the same thing for us. In Matthew 2, chapter, uh, t- chapter 2, verse 8, we see Herod with the wise men. We talked about the wise men last week, remember? And King Herod instructed the wise men to go travel to Bethlehem to find this newborn king of the Jews and then return and tell King Herod where the child was so that he could go and worship him. But what we know he really wanted to do was kill the baby Jesus. Kill the Messiah because it was a threat to his power. So the Magi were instructed to go back to Herod where they would have been in danger, and certainly Jesus' family on earth would have been in danger, but God protects them. The Magi followed a star to the place where Jesus was. They entered into the house. They worshiped him. They gave him gifts, right? You can read that in Matthew chapter two. But then look what happened. Matthew chapter two, verse 12. We're on page 772. 772. When it was time to leave... They returned to their own country, how? By another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. See the protection being offered? God protected the wise men and Jesus' family by warning them. He, he warned the wise men through a dream and he warned Joseph by an angel. We keep reading. Verse 13. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Verse 14. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary. When did he leave? That night. night. Immediately. He went. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. I called my son out of Egypt. That was written by Hosea. It's in Hosea 11. And that was written 700 years before Christ was born. Hosea was a contemporary of Isaiah. Hosea, Isaiah. But catch the significance of this. When the Jews read the Old Testament, what they call the Tanakh, the prophecies didn't make sense. Right? I've got this verse over here that says the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. And I've got this verse over here that says the Messiah is going to be born, or it assumed that he was going to be born, but says he would be called out of Egypt. those two don't go together until you realize how God was working to protect Mary and Joseph and their family. Do you see the significance of that? Because God was making a plan to protect them from the beginning of time. He was not surprised by Herod's move. He was not surprised by Herod's attitude or his plan. He was not surprised that he was gonna send the wise men. He planned hundreds of years and really from the very beginning of time to protect Mary and Joseph and the baby by sending them to Egypt. And that prophecy that says, I will call my son out of Egypt is a revelation of God's protection. Not only is the Messiah coming, but protection is coming. Our everlasting father is protective of his children And he is concerned about our safety. Look at Psalm 34, 7. It's up on the screen. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Angels are real. Angels are real. And Mary and Joseph are not the only ones who had encounters with angels. We have encounters with angels. We just don't know it. We may not recognize it, we may not see it. Now you have to be careful, you don't worship those angels, you don't pray to those angels, but God sends the angels. He assigns angels and maybe we have each one our own or maybe you know they do groups, I don't know how it works. and The Bible's not clear on it, but what the Bible is clear on is that God will take a mighty angel and say, go protect my child. I used to live in fear all the time. All the time I lived in fear. But there's nothing to fear when you have heaven's armies backing you up. Amen? But are you here this morning and you fear in your life? You fear danger. Are you afraid of harm? Are you afraid of circumstances? Ask God for reassurance. Ask him to show you how he is protecting you. Ask him to reveal the protection that is in his love. And he will take that fear away. We weren't designed to live with fear. We were designed to live in victory. That's the promise of Christmas. Our everlasting father not only protects us, but he provides for our needs. Our everlasting father provides for our needs. A father provides for his family. That is what the father is supposed to do. Especially things that children can't provide for themselves. And an everlasting father furnishes both practical needs and spiritual needs. The essentials of our lives. Mary became pregnant by the Holy Spirit when she was an unmarried teenager. And that was not only inconvenient, but it was dangerous. That put Mary's life in danger. Let's read Matthew from Matthew 1, 18 through 19. It's on page 771 if you're using the Brookwood Bible. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, probably 15 to 17, that's about the age range for that culture, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her fiancé, or her betrothed is what it would say in other translations, was a good man and did not want the disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement or divorce her quietly. What does that reveal about the kind of man Joseph is even before the angel visits him? He's a man of integrity, he's a man of compassion, and he's a man of God. But a Jewish man could not marry an unchaste, immoral woman. And if you had not been visited by an angel, that is really the only explanation for what's going on with Mary, right? Right? That's what she appeared to be, was immoral and unchaste and unfaithful. And in that culture, she would have not been able to move forward with that shame upon her. She would have been ostracized. Her friends and her relatives would have cast her out. She would not have been welcome at her father's house. She would not have been able to get a job to support her or her baby, and most likely she would have been killed. They probably would have stoned her. But Joseph, as a man of God in compassion, wants to spare her from that. So he's going to divorce her quietly. But God intervened even in his compassion to show greater compassion. Human compassion is always trumped by heavenly compassion. Chapter 1, verse 20, page 771. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Skip down to verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. She's going to have a husband now to support her. But more than that, she's going to have a husband to walk through life together. Because we weren't designed to walk alone. Make sure you don't miss this. When Christ's mission for Mary put her in danger, and make no mistake, sometimes your mission for Christ will put you in danger. But when Mary's mission for Christ put her in danger of isolation... God provided Joseph to walk with her. She he could have said you need to rely on just me. He could have left her to raise the child by herself and say you need to lean on me. But God designed us to be in community with other people. He designed us to receive his hope and his mercy and his compassion through other people, so he provides Joseph And that's an emotional need that she has. But the passage also points out that God provides a necessity through Jesus that neither Joseph nor any other person is ever going to be able to meet. The, the, the need He met to marry through Joseph was a temporary need, but he was sending Jesus Christ to fulfill an eternal need. Matthew 1: 121, "And she will have a son." The angel is continuing. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is an everlasting father. And he would offer himself to supply our essential, eternal, spiritual need that we can't provide for ourselves. And no husband can provide for you. No wife can provide for you. No child can provide for you. only Christ our everlasting father's continues to supply practical needs for this life. Jesus is taking care of the eternal need, but he continues again and again and again to fulfill our needs here on earth. Look at Matthew 6. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will I eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows you need them. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. How are we supposed to seek the kingdom of God? It's up there above all else. We get distracted by our earthly needs and trying to fulfill them ourselves. But when we are fully focused on the kingdom of God, those worries melt away because we start seeing the things that we need just fall in front of us. So if that's true, why don't we trust him? Why don't we trust him? Jesus fed 5,000 people. That's just the man. It was much more than that. 5,000 men plus their families in Matthew 14. He, he also did it again for 4,000 men in their families in Matthew 15. And what was he demonstrating there? His concern for people's practical needs. Their hunger. He could have just focused on his teaching. He could say, I was sent here to teach, and surely they have some lunch and some baskets, and if they're hungry, they'll leave. He could have just focused on his teaching. But instead, look at what he does. He interrupts his teaching. He interrupts his teaching to meet their physical needs as he's providing their spiritual needs. He shows compassion. He said, These people are hungry. And the disciples said, well, then send them somewhere to eat. And Jesus said, no, let's feed them. Yeah, they could go somewhere else, but let's show our compassion. We're going to feed them. See, God's provision is a reflection of his compassion. We've done all this... Um, giving, right? Every, Every month, every week since Thanksgiving, we have chosen a different organization that we as a community can feed into to meet the needs of people at Christmas that we've never met before. Where does that come from? It comes from compassion. It's a reflection of God's compassion. God doesn't provide for us. He doesn't give you the food you need and the clothes you need and the relationships you need because he feels obligated to it. He does it because he loves you And when he looks at you and he sees your struggle, he has compassion. His grace and his mercy and his provision is all based on compassion and love. So, what need do you have to have met? Is it practical? Is it spiritual? In fact, just for a second, let's just be quiet. I want you to think of that thing. That need that seems impossible. I want you to think about it. And I want you to close your eyes just for a second and ask God if he's going to provide. Let's do that right now. God cares for you. God has compassion for you. You belong to Him. You can confidently ask Him to provide. The third thing that our everlasting Father offers us is He presents encouragement. Our everlasting Father presents encouragement. And all of us need our fathers to accept us. We have that deeply inside of us because God has planted it in us. All of us need our fathers to accept us, to express that we have value and we have worth. I told you about my birth father, but the man I call dad, the one who raised me, when I talk to him on the phone, and he says, I'm proud of you. And we all long for that. We long for that because God has built it into us to get it from him. But not all of us have experienced that, have we? See, our self-esteem, our self-confidence, our security, they're all shaped through our perception of what our fathers think of us and also other significant people in our lives. We see ourselves through the eyes of the world and other people when we really need to see ourselves through the eyes of a loving father who never leaves and never abandons and is always loving. But when we experience critical people in our lives, abusive people in our lives, non nurturing or absent fathers, it will damage our identity our personal identity, even our sexual identity. Much of the problems in this country stem directly from absent fathers. Where the government is providing what fathers should be providing. Or what the church should be providing when the father is absent. Did you hear me? Don't blame the government if the church isn't doing their part to meet the needs of people who have been abandoned. Affirmation from our fathers requires their presence. When a father is absent, you can't receive their presence. You can't receive their affirmation. And a secure sense of self grows as the intimacy of our relationship with our Father grows. Both here on earth and with our everlasting Father. Are you pursuing that relationship in a way that it is more intimate? Our greatest encouragement comes from the presence of our everlasting Father. Even if you've never experienced that with your earthly Father even if you've had the, what you consider the perfect, greatest earthly father, it's not going to compare to the intimacy that you can have with the heavenly father. Matthew 1, starting in verse 22. It's on page 771 if you're using the Bible. It says, All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is present. His affirmation is present. God with us. Now watch this. This is amazing. As glorious as that is, God doesn't leave Mary to carry that burden alone. He gave her Joseph, yes? But can Joseph truly understand what she's going through? No. Is Joseph pregnant with the son of God? No. He can't fully understand her position. He can love her. He can show compassion. He can be her partner. But he can't fully understand. So we see God's concern for Mary's emotional state in carrying that burden through the angel Gabriel's suggestion when Gabriel reveals that there's someone else that can encourage her and support her and understand what she's going through in her supernatural pregnancy. Luke chapter 1. What's more, this is the angel talking to Mary, I'm, I'm going to, God is going to give you this son. He's going to Remove the sins of his people. You will call him Emmanuel, God with us. But but once more, your relative, Elizabeth, has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her six months. So the angel says, oh, by the way you have a relative who also has a supernatural pregnancy and she might understand what you're going through. So Mary responds to the angel and she says, what? A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. And she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. So the angel says, Mary, there's someone who's going to be able to support you. There's someone who understands. And Mary goes, I'm going there. Because God created us to be in community and then what happened? Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me when I heard your greeting? The baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. And who is Elizabeth pregnant with? John the Baptist. And scripture tells us that when Jesus in the womb meets John the Baptist in the womb, what happens? John is saved in the womb. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you see the power of that moment? Not just for us to read it, but for Mary to not feel alone. And then Mary responds, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. And he has done great things for me. Do you see the effect of the Holy Spirit's encouragement? The encouragement of our Heavenly Father? Do you understand the incredible significance of that? Because who could Mary turn to when that angel left? If this gift hadn't been given to her, who could she turn to? No one. No one would understand her. But, Mary, there's someone else, someone you love, someone you know. Who also is carrying a supernatural child that I have a great plan for. So, you not only have me, Mary, but I'm gonna surround you by people who will take care of you and encourage you and support you. You are not alone. God's desire is not for you to be alone. And some of us wake up in the morning, and no matter how many people we're surrounded with, we feel alone. But that is not God's desire for you. He is not only with you, but if you ask him, he will put people in your path that will encourage you, that will build you up, that will strengthen you, because he desires for us to journey together in compassion and hope And then to carry that compassion and that hope outside of this building because there's a world of people who feel alone. And there's going to be struggles in your life that seemed useless until until God puts that unbeliever in front of you. and says, I've placed you here because you understand. God doesn't want you to be alone, and he will use you to make sure others are not alone and to bring them into his kingdom. Look at Psalm 103. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. do you need encouragement from God? There's something that the Holy Spirit wants to say to you right now. Think about what you most need to hear from God right now to be encouraged. And again, let's just take a moment. Close your eyes, everybody, close your eyes. And ask God what he wants to say to you. Your Father of eternity will protect you from harm. He will provide for your needs. And he will build you up with encouragement. So as you pray each day, and I hope, I hope you're continuing to pray. We're starting a watchers team that is going to pray for Brookwood every day. You can go to brookwoodchurch.org prayer to get more information about that. But as you pray every day, ask the Holy Spirit and his presence to linger. Ask him to show you how he loves you. Because no matter what you have experienced on this earth with your earthly father, God is a God and the Messiah is a father that does not leave. He does not cheat. He does not borrow. He does not steal. He does not abandon. He does not withhold love. And he has a purpose for you that is greater than yourself. Seek that intimacy with him. He will not withhold it from you. Learn to see yourself through your heavenly Father's eyes instead of through the world's eyes or through the eyes of the lies that you have told yourself about who you are. He is the everlasting Father. and he will bring you peace. If you need someone to pray for you about any of those items, we're gonna have care volunteers and pastors down front. Don't leave quite yet. We have a little bit of business, but our care volunteers and our pastors can come forward. After we finish up, they will be here to pray with you. If you have not seen God's provision or protection or encouragement in your life, they will pray with you. They will anoint you with oil. This is an opportunity to grab hold of the truth and the promise of Christmas. So as they come forward, we have one last bit of business that you saw in the email yesterday from the church. And that is to affirm our new class of trustees. And their information has been on the website for you to read about them for quite a while. And we're going to put this up. This is the 2022 class and the way it works is uh, trustees work for three consecutive one-year terms. And it's set up so that every year there's a rotation of two people. So this is the class of 2022. Uh, our new members will be Jason Bergeron and Carl Croft, And of course you see our others, our current trustees there, Chuck and Judy and Betty and Melvin. And of course our trustee emeritus, Jerry Fry. And we ask you as a body because we travel together and we journey together to affirm that. So if you call Brookwood Church your home and you are a member of Brookwood Church, I would ask you if you are willing to stand to show your affirmation of these trustees. Thank you. Father God, we thank you that you are an everlasting father. And many of us have wounds. Many of us have wounds from our earthly fathers or our earthly mothers or other people in our lives. But I pray, Lord, that you would remove the scales from our eyes that that make us see you through our broken lens. Lord, I pray for the brokenhearted that you would draw close to them. I pray for the crushed in spirit that you would restore them. And I pray a blessing over this body that you would heal the wounds, that you would hug us as our father and that you would make us mighty warriors to show your grace and your mercy and the love of our father to those who don't have one and to those who have been marred by the brokenness of this world. May our love and compassion reflect the love and compassion of our Heavenly Father. And we ask this in the name of our Messiah, the child that was given to us. Amen.
0: Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Our memory verse, Psalm 103, verse 13. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. You can prepare for next Sunday by reading Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 through 7 and Philippians 4, 4 through 9. And we hope you'll join us for our Christmas Eve candlelight service at 2, 3.30 or 5 p.m. At Brookwood, we want to help you pursue a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience a transformed life. One way you can do this is by getting connected to Brookwood. You can email us, connections at brookwoodchurch.org, or call 864-688-8326 to speak to someone on our Connections team. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date with the names of Christmas series. If you like this podcast, please leave a review so others can also discover that they can have a transformed life in Christ. Thanks for listening and have a great week.